This week on Geek Explained, with 2020 on the horizon, it's time to look back at the year we're leaving behind. So join us for our 2019 Year in Review. Welcome back to Geek Explain, the podcast for comics, film, TV, and more. You name it, we can explain it. I'm your host, Eric Kazana, and I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. I am a little under the weather. I don't know if I'm quite sick yet, but I am definitely feeling the symptoms. So if this episode ends up being a little shorter than usual, uh, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I am going to try and get through this entire episode uh, before my voice goes, because I've been just achy and like coughing so if i cough a little bit during the episode i apologize but i wanted to make sure that i get this out because um as i'm recording this it is new year's eve for 2019 and i have been thinking about you know just the year that we had you know for the podcast specifically we grew so much and got to incorporate new segments got to have guests on um it was just fantastic, and I really had a great time, and I started to think more about, you know, the, just the year when it comes to uh, geek culture, when it comes to comic books, when it comes to film, TV, etc., and I wanted to do a kind of a year in review talking about my top five of uh, each of those categories when it came to how much I enjoyed them, uh, my favorites, etc., etc. So that is what this episode is going to be about. We also have our wild card weekly review, and I'm pretty excited about this one. And of course, rounding it out with this week's comics countdown. But before we get into all of that, let's check in with this week's news. All right, guys and dolls, so um, here we are with the news. We don't have a lot. Uh, it was kind of a slow news week heading into the uh, new year, but there were a couple things that I did want to touch on, um, and they're pretty much all in the realm of film. So no comics news this week, uh, no TV news this week, no miscellaneous news this week, but we do have some film news that I definitely want to talk about. First off, the big news, uh, Ryan Reynolds confirmed that uh, Deadpool 3 is currently in development over at Marvel with Kevin Feige. Um, he kind of dropped this bomb during an interview, and it's we don't really have any information beyond that, but we now know that it is in development, and uh, rumor is it is going to stay rated R, which would be a big... Um, a big left turn for Disney Marvel, I think, because they've they've stayed pretty much in the realm of PG-13, and to have a property that has been ex as successful as Deadpool has been in keeping it rated R, I think that's a great sign that they are really uh, committed to making sure that this... Uh, this franchise and this character has done justice, at least for the Ryan Reynolds version of that character. We also got some rumors regarding uh, Robert Pattinson's Batsuit. 
Uh, right now, rumor is that the bat suit is going to be uh, mostly black, but uh, with like a midnight blue highlight. So in certain lights, you could catch it on blue. Um, short ear cowl, and unfortunately, uh, Robert Pattinson really hasn't been able to bulk up as much as he wanted to. So they are going to be putting in padding for the suit, which I think is pretty standard at this point but one thing i'm really excited about is that rumor is that the uh bat symbol on the chest will be the rebirth suit i have made it very clear in previous episodes that my favorite uh comics costume for batman is that rebirth suit i just think it's a perfect celebration of uh batman's legacy all wrapped up into one crime fighting outfit so i'm pretty excited about that and uh one last thing that i I do want to touch on um, Star Wars. Star Wars uh, Rise of Skywalker has been very divisive for a lot of people. I've talked to just as many people who hated it as loved it. And uh, if you listen to our, um, our review, which you can go check out, it is spoilers, so definitely be wary of that. Uh, I kind of fell in the middle. I liked certain aspects. Certain aspects really didn't make sense to me, and I'm kind of... Um, I'm surprised that they were, they were uh, going to make this uh, the conclusion and have it be kind of such a haphazard conclusion. And it appears that I'm not the only person who uh, feels that way because both John Boyega and Oscar Isaac, who played Finn and Poe Dameron respectively, uh, have been throwing all sorts of shade at Disney and uh, just basically over the... Uh, really poor treatment of their characters in the film and the poor treatment of the film in general. Uh, there's also been a lot of uh, upswell for uh, Kelly Marie Tran, who played Rose Tico, not getting even five minutes of, um, of screen time in the film. And that was one of the major problems that I had with the film as well. But um, in interviews, I guess, uh, Oscar Isaac, when asked if he would be interested in pursuing the character further in like a Disney Plus series, he gave a resounding nope. And John Boyega has been just going off on Twitter about how terrible Disney is and how uh, poorly his character was treated. So I think that's not a great sign um, going forward for this, but I'm really hoping that... Um, that they get out of it what they need to get out of it. And I think for them being on the ground uh, when this film is being made and kind of seeing everything that went into it, and I can only imagine how messy that uh, production was, uh, they have every right to comment on it now, especially that the film is out and people are kind of, uh, again, very divided on the film itself. So um, it's it's just fun. I If you follow John Boyega on Twitter, he has been just merciless in the last couple days so if you're not following him i would definitely check that out uh, and that does it for the final news of 2019 like i said not a lot but um as we head in i'm expecting big news for 2020 and everything that we've we normally talk about with film with tv uh with video games all of that 2020 is going to be a big year i can feel it so that does it for the news now we're going to hop on over to the main course the entree if you will of the episode which is our 2019 year in review
So looking back on 2019, it was uh, it was a pretty big year for geek culture. We had uh, the beginnings of certain franchises. We had the complete endings of certain franchises, and I think it's I think looking back on 2019, uh, it's going to be one of those years that people remember as like a big mover when it comes to geek culture. So many things happened, uh, big events when it came to comics, uh, the debut of new TV shows, uh, films wrapping up entire sagas. Like it's a huge deal and a huge uh, year for geek culture. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to reflect back on 2019 as a year and rank my top five of uh, comics, film, and TV. These are the categories that I kind of stuck with. I really wanted to talk about them because I think for 2019 itself, it was a banner year for all three of these categories. So I'm really excited to talk about this. Let's go ahead and jump into uh, the first category, which I am starting off with TV. Uh, TV had a lot this year. Um, uh, before we get into this real quick, um, <laughs> Excuse me. Um, again, this is just my personal list. If you disagree, feel free to reach out to me uh, on either of our social medias, Instagram or Twitter, to at GeekSplainedPod. That's at GeekSplainedPod. Or through email, because I'm an old man, I still read emails to GeekSplained at gmail.com. Uh, but with that disclaimer out of the way, we're going to jump into the TV. Uh, rank, ranking all of them uh, was a little bit difficult because we had a lot of good TV uh, this year, especially when it came to uh, comic book properties. I'm really excited to talk about some of these. So um, real quick before I get into the actual list, I'm gonna, I have honorable mentions for each category, so I'm just going to rattle off the honorable mentions here that didn't quite make the list, um, but were very, very close. So starting off with TV, honorable mentions, Arrow. Arrow has been so good in its final season. Um, it was a toss-up for me between uh, doing Arrow or Flash, because I think Flash is also having a fantastic season. But as, um, like I said earlier, as a wrap-up for the entire Arrow franchise, for that character, I think a, a this season, this final season, really needed to just check all the boxes to be that big celebration of the show. And I think it's done that in spades. So I've been really enjoying Arrow and I'm excited. And uh, it's it's going to be bittersweet to watch these final two episodes. Uh, Barry. I discovered Barry this year. I absolutely fell in love with this show. Um, it's incredible. If you haven't watched it and you have HBO Go or uh, HBO Now, do it. Watch it. It's incredible. Um, I have... I don't think I've ever like run into a show that I had very little interest watching before and it completely made me fall in love with it like I did with Barry. So I really, really enjoy it and I really recommend it. Uh, Euphoria, also on HBO, was also kind of a sleeper hit for me. I had a coworker. Um, she would tell me how good Euphoria was all the time and I didn't know how I would feel about it. And the best way that I can describe it, it's basically American Skins. If you uh, watched the Skins show, uh, it's a UK, it's a British show. Um, I was a diehard Skins fan growing up, and uh, a lot of that same DNA is in this show. Um, stars Zendaya, and it's kind of about this um, 
this teenager kind of maneuvering through uh, the high school life and the high school experience that is going on right now. There's a lot of touchy subject matter, um, but it's good. It's I really enjoyed it, and I'm excited to see season two. And then finally, uh, The Witcher. The Witcher is a show that I didn't have any real connection to. I'm not going to talk about it too much because I might be talking about it more later on in the podcast, but I really enjoyed it, and I think it is a solid addition to the fantasy uh, genre when it comes to TV. Now, getting into the top five, let's talk about this. At number five, I have The Boys from Amazon Prime. This is a uh, live-action adaptation of the comic book by the same name. Um, The Boys is just fantastic. If you would like to uh, get all of my thoughts on each episode as uh, as I watched them, it was part of our weekly review. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this show. It is another one of those uh, deconstructing the um, really the image and the myth of superheroes and kind of showing what superheroes would be like in modern day. Um, how the world would react to them, you know, the corporate side of it, branding, um, treating them like athletes. Like, I really, really dug it. Uh, Carl Urban is absolutely fantastic, and he really uh, does a great job uh, playing Billy Butcher. But the standout for me in this show really was Anthony Starr as Homelander. Uh, I wasn't really familiar with him as an actor, but I just... I really, every single time that he was on screen, uh, my eyes were glued to him because he is so captivating and charismatic and he's so good at playing that evil Superman stereotype or archetype. And I really, really dug the boys. So if you haven't checked it out, uh, you can binge all of the first season right now. Season two will be coming out in the coming year. So I definitely, definitely recommend it. Next up at number four, we have Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um... I really wanted to put this higher on the list, but because uh, the final two chapters don't come out until next month, until next year, uh, I had to knock it down a few notches, but I absolutely adored uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. It was such a fun ride, and it really is the Infinity War of the CW uh, Arrowverse shows, the DCCW universe, and I just love all of the characters, the just the subject matter of Crisis on Infinite Earths, I thought, could never be adapted into live action because it is a dense book and a dense event. But uh, through the first three chapters, they really knocked it out of the park, and I cannot wait uh, for January 14th to pick up the last two chapters of this show. Really, really excited about it. And number three, I have Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol is so freaking good. I just, every single episode is just incredible. Every episode built upon the previous episode. Um, Doom Patrol was never really on my radar. Uh, Growing up, I always heard of them. Uh, My first introduction to them was actually through the uh, Teen Titans cartoon uh, when they had the Doom Patrol episode showcasing kind of the, the origin of Beast Boy. And bringing in, you know, the Brotherhood of Evil, the Brain, and Muncio Mala and everything. Um, Our neighbor's dog is a a big Doom Patrol fan. Uh, But really getting to experience this show week to week was some of the most fun I've ever had on this podcast. And doing the reviews for them really, it gave me life. Being able to, when I'm editing, listen to that uh, Doom Patrol theme. I 
absolutely cannot wait for season two. We know it's coming next year, and I I just I need it. I need it right now. I really, really, really redug it. If you have the DC Universe app, the entire uh, first season is up there, and I believe once HBO Max launches, it'll be on there as well. So definitely look for that. And number two, I have Umbrella Academy. I freaking loved Umbrella Academy. And Umbrella Academy was really interesting to me because unlike Doom Patrol, I actually read the Umbrella Academy uh, graphic novel. Finding out, of course, as you all know, um, that there were further uh, volumes that I didn't know about. I only thought there was the first volume. So when they introduced um, all these characters that were in the second and third volumes that I had no idea about, I was really thrown off. But um, I ended up f- just falling in love with this show. This was one of the, um, the I think, one of the most exciting shows for me and my partner. We binged it. And she is really difficult to binge with. After three episodes of a show, she's like, okay, I'm done. I have to go do something else. But we binged the entire first season of Umbrella Academy for um, pretty much over the course of 24 hours. And we absolutely dug it. Um, Season two is coming uh, in 2020, and I'm really, really stoked to uh, watch it. But if you haven't watched that first season, it's on Netflix. Get caught up. It is such a fun time and finally at number one i think to the surprise of no one it is watchmen uh watchmen was a revelation uh watchmen is one of the most seminal and famous and infamous uh comic book stories of all time it really uh reshaped the comic book uh landscape when it first came out in the uh, mid 80s and um ever since then you know people have been trying to adapt it trying to give sequels to it um and this is really the first show that really um this is really the first thing that really captured the spirit of the original comic we had the Zack snyder uh film earlier um you know earlier in the uh the 2000s but this show really felt like a genuine attempt to honor the source material while telling new stories within this universe. A uh, couple standouts that I really want to talk about. Uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen, who plays Calvin, and spoiler warning, um, Dr. Manhattan as well, uh, was just so good. I really, really hope, uh, and I'm really wishing bigger things and huge success for him in 2020. Uh, this was fantastic. Getting to watch him grow as a character and as an actor throughout the show was really great. Uh, Regina King playing Angela Abar just uh, knocked my socks off. I thought she was fantastic. And having her be the lead was just a, an inspired choice. And it really, uh, the entire show was anchored by her. So she did a great job. Uh, Jeremy Irons playing Ozymandias was fantastic. I loved him. Uh, his kooky side story is just so good and fun and intriguing. And it keeps you engaged throughout the entire season. If you haven't listen to our Geeksplain Extra series where we go through and um, review each episode as it came out. Uh, check back through our feed. Uh, it's the Geeksplain Extra watching the Watchmen. Uh, doing that was also super fun. Um, ho- co-hosting it with uh, my buddy Chris Carter, good brother of mine, as well as a couple appearances by Jessica Morgan at the end uh, for the last two episodes as well. Uh, Just had a fantastic time, and it really deserves to be watched if you haven't checked it out yet. So that is my rankings for TV for 2019. We're now going to jump over to film 
So I'm really excited to talk about film. Uh, lots of good films came out this year. Uh, I'm going to jump into the honorable mentions first. So starting off the honorable mentions, uh, Rocket Man. I really dug Rocket Man. Um, Taron Egerton playing Elton John is just is perfect. Uh, I got the um, we got the first taste of him singing an Elton John song in Sing, an animated film that I um, I still go back to sometimes because I thought it's so fun. Um, and he really did just incredible work in putting the time and effort into. Um, making sure that his portrayal of Elton John while staying faithful also had his unique signature on it. Um, in the same way that Remy Malek did for uh, Freddie Mercury in uh, his musical biopic. I thought this was really good. Uh, differentiating this from that film, this is kind of a true blue um, musical. There are musical numbers throughout. It's really fun and it's a good time. Uh, also, a little known movie that I don't think a whole lot of people actually checked out, uh, Triple Frontier. On Netflix, it brings together some of my favorite actors and is kind of a... Uh, a jungle heist film. I really, really dug it. It's got Oscar Isaac, Ben Affleck, Charlie Hunnam, um, among others, and I really, really dug this film. If you haven't checked it out on Netflix, it is a good time. Um, and then finally, on uh, honorable mentions, uh, two films I really want to talk about, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, pretty late in the game. Um, I, I think I watched it for the first time like a week ago, and it was uh, it was good. It is, it is a classic Tarantino film that really uh, does a great job making it feel like a true blue period piece. So I really dug it. It's a classic Tarantino film. If you don't like his kind of filmmaking, his kind of films, uh, you probably won't like this, but I had a good time with it. And then finally, uh, The Farewell. I, I cried during The Farewell. Um, it is a... Just a fantastic film. Uh, Aquafina plays the lead, and she is incredible. A lot of people talk about how funny she is, and she is absolutely uh, a a marvel when it comes to uh, comedy, comedic timing, and all that. But uh, this film really dug deep with her and her emotional uh, emotional state, and she she brings on the waterworks more than once. So um, those are my honorable mentions. Definitely check out the farewell if you can. Jumping into our top five, I'm going to let you know right now, I did not see every movie that came out this year. Um, if you listen to the, uh, if you were paying attention during the TV list, you uh, might have noticed that I left out The Mandalorian. Uh, I haven't seen The Mandalorian. I don't have Disney Plus as of right now, and um, I'm looking forward to hopefully uh, binging it at some point very soon, but I can't. Uh, in good faith put something on my list that I haven't watched so if a film misses being on the list I probably haven't watched it <laughs> so uh, diving into uh, my film rankings at number five I have Shazam um, and I'm gonna let you know I uh, I didn't think Shazam was gonna be this high um, it started off as an honorable mention but after watching it again recently I just Oh my god, like, Shazam is so freaking good. Um, it really represents kind of a course correction when it comes to um, the DCU, Warner Brothers, DC Films. And it's such a fun time. It really hits you in the feels as well. It's a great Christmas movie. And um, overall, it really uh, is 
carried on the back of uh, Zachary Levi, who just is so good as Shazam slash Captain Marvel, and he is uh, incredible. This is the kind of uh, fun, lighthearted superhero movie that uh, that we needed in this uh, in this day and age. And I think I am uh, really excited to see a Shazam two come out, which I know is going to hopefully be coming out in the next couple of years. And um, it just it was a really fun time and. This is a movie that I can go back to and never really get sick of. Uh, number four, I have Toy Story 4. Uh, this was kind of, um, this was a film that I didn't think I was going to like because I thought that they really said everything that they needed to say with Toy Story 3. And when I heard that they were making a Toy Story 4, I just, I rolled my eyes. I was like, what more do we need to do? need to say we completed the story we completed the arc there's nothing left to tell and after watching toy story 4 boy was i wrong um this is such a fantastic um send-off for the franchise um i sincerely hope they never make another toy story after this because this kind of works if you view the um if you view Toy Story 3 as the ending, this is a great epilogue. If you uh, view this as the real ending for the Toy Story franchise, I can't argue with that. Um, this really puts a spotlight on uh, Woody specifically and his struggles with kind of being um, left behind and uh, kind of outgrowing his usefulness and trying to figure out what his purpose in life is after, uh, after he kind of becomes the second fiddle uh and it's so good i teared up more than a couple times uh there's also some great guest appearances key and peel are hilarious in this uh keanu reeves as duke kaboom uh is just so good and so fun and uh we get the uh re-debut of bo peep which we haven't seen i don't think we've seen her since uh, toy story 2 uh, i might be wrong on that but I really enjoyed this film, and I think uh, Pixar and Disney really knocked it out of the park with this and made me enjoy seeing a film that I really didn't think uh, needed to be made. But the ending of this when the credits rolled, I was absolutely, um, I absolutely loved this, and I can definitely see this uh, being as good, if not better, than Toy Story 3. I know, it's surprising, but um, and controversial, I'm sure. But this is a really, really good film. Next up, at number three, we have Yesterday. Uh, Yesterday is also a film I saw kind of recently, and I... I don't know. I don't know what it is about this film, but I just fell in love with it. It is such a great... Uh, great film and a smaller film, a much smaller film that we're really uh, used to seeing here. And I, especially in 2019 and like the age of the blockbuster, but um, this film kind of um, really knocked my socks off. I was surprised at how much I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was going to be good, but I didn't think it was going to be this good. Uh, basically, the main character wakes up in a world where uh, the Beatles were never a thing, and he's the only one that remembers them. So you get to see him kind of navigate uh, basically claiming their songs and you know all the trials and tribulations that come from that. And it's such a fun uh, film, and it's, I think, one of the uh, sleeper hits of the film. Not a whole lot of people saw this, but it is absolutely worth your time. Um, I also, there's a scene near the very end. It's like the next to last scene uh, where he goes to uh, visit someone. I don't want to spoil this for you. 
um, where he goes to visit someone, and I legitimately teared up at this. It was a fantastic scene, and uh, overall just a really great movie and a really fun time. At number two, I have Knives Out, directed by Ryan Johnson. Um, This was kind of his bounce back from The Last Jedi and all of the... Um, basically the entire shitstorm that he got from that. Again, if you would like to hear uh, my official rankings for all the Star Wars films, feel free to go back uh, a couple weeks for our giant-sized Star Wars ranked uh, episode with uh, Jesse Pickering. Had a great time with him. Um, This, this, I... Okay, so when I saw, um, when I saw that this film was coming out, I was skeptical. Because I really wanted Ryan Johnson to make this work. I am a sucker for whodunits and murder mysteries. But um, in this day and age, it's kind of hard to really uh, make those kind of stories work when it comes to film. We've seen it done with TV uh, to varying degrees of success. But with film... um, The most recent one that I can think of was uh, Murder on the Orient Express, which was fine. Um... But I really, really dug this. This has an incredible cast and is really uh, led by Ana de Armas and Daniel Craig in the two lead roles. Uh, Chris Evans also just knocks it out of the park. Um, It's just just such a great film and a great deconstruction of the murder mystery genre. They give you a lot of information very early on. And you kind of, I was wondering, I was like, we've only been in this film for an hour. Like, what else is going to happen? So it keeps you on your toes, full of great performances, an incredible cast, and overall one of my favorite movies of the year. And at number one, I think to the surprise of no one, it's cats so i saw cats on christmas day and i was just blown away by the incredible technical masterpiece that cats is Uh, i didn't think that this film was going to be any good especially after all the uh, terrible reviews of it but when i came in i really felt like i was transported to an alleyway where these cats were dancing around and being awkwardly and way too horny. But I really dug this. This beat out every single other movie of the year. (laughs) I'm sorry. I, I was trying to go as long as I could, but I can't. Um, it is not cats. I think to the surprise of no one, uh, my number one film of the year is Avengers Endgame. Uh, Avengers Endgame. What else can you say about this? This is the end of an era, the end of a franchise, Uh, and the beginning of a new one. And I think that for the send-off of the original seven, uh, you couldn't have asked for a better film. Uh, This is... Uh, This had pretty much the near impossible task of wrapping up an over decades long story and giving send-offs to these characters that we've all become uh, very attached to. And I think it did all of them justice. It really did. Uh, From, And I know that's kind of... um, that's a divisive statement. Certain characters were definitely given uh, better treatment than others, but overall, I think this was a beautiful send-off to the first real uh, phase of Marvel uh, and the MCU. Uh, the characters who really got their uh, dues got their dues, and I think that the arcs that they explored, the arcs that they concluded, and the arcs that they kind of started by the end of this really were... Um, well handled and the final um the final five minutes of this film i i haven't been that emotional 
about a film in a very long time. So uh, Avengers Endgame, of course, if you want to hear my full spoiler-filled review of that, feel free to go back in the feed. um, Check out, it's another giant-sized episode where I sit down uh, with uh, Jessica and Chris uh, once again, and uh, we kind of talk about everything. So definitely check that out. And that does it for films. Uh, like I said, I haven't seen every film. I was really, really wanting to see 1917 because I know if I saw it, it would end up on this list. But um, the stars did not align and the limited release kind of uh, kind of um, messed that plan up. So I am definitely intending on seeing it when it makes its wide release uh, mid-January. And I will definitely be looking forward to that film. And now we come to the final uh, category here. That is comics. Uh, I, I wanted to keep this, make this last because I just... There were so many good comics that came out this year. And so many bad comics that came out this year. Um, I try to keep it positive. Uh, I... I didn't want to do like a worst, you know, worst of the year kind of list because I feel like um, jumping into the new year with such a negative attitude really uh, does nobody any favors. So I wanted to keep this positive and um, it didn't take me long to find positives, to find comics that I really fell in love with. So before we get into the list, our honorable mentions here uh, Batman Universe. I was so surprised at how much I loved Batman Universe. It is such a fun space romp with Batman. Uh, Nick Darrington's art is incredible. Brian Michael Bendis um, really won me over. I have been very vocal about my apprehension and my disdain for Bendis' writing of Superman and other characters. Um, But Batman Universe was consistently a knockout book every single month. And um, it's just one of the best Batman books of the year. It really was. Uh, Next up in honorable mentions, War of the Realms. Loved War of the Realms. It is an incredible event. uh, And really the culmination of Jason Aaron's run on Thor for this decade. Um, It's a a great event. Has far-reaching ramifications throughout. It features the redemption of Thor Odinson and brings pretty much the entire Marvel Universe to its knees uh, before kind of rallying and showing us really how a Marvel Comics uh, event should go. And I'm hoping that this is a sign that Marvel has kind of gotten their uh, their bearings when it comes to events, because for a while it was getting pretty bad. But with this, along with Absolute Carnage, which al- almost also was an honorable mention um it's been really really good and then finally um a couple books that i want to talk about an honorable mention spider-man life story i love this book it's so good uh chip zadarsky is really the golden goose for marvel right now he is absolutely killing it in every book that he writes and that goes the same for the final honorable mention uh daredevil I picked up the first trade of Daredevil literally uh, four days ago, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I ordered the second trade. I'm currently reading it right now, and um, it blew me away. It's so good uh, and really um, kind of deconstructs who Matt Murdock is as a person outside of just being Daredevil. If you uh, liked the Netflix series, you're going to love this book, 
And uh, same goes for Spider-Man Life Story. If you're a fan of Spider-Man for any length of time, you're going to love that book. It goes with uh, Spider-Man throughout the decades as if he aged in real time. The storytelling is fantastic. The Art is Stellar by Mark Bagley. And overall, it's just a fantastic book. Both of them are. But getting into the top five, I can feel my voice starting to go, so I'm going to try and uh, try and get through this. Uh, number five, I have Hoxpox. Uh, House of X and Powers of Ten, written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by uh, Pepe Larraz and R.B. Silva. Um, just the perfect comic reboot for the X-Men. Uh, we knew that when we saw the solicits for Jonathan Hickman returning to Marvel that it was going to be big, but I don't think any of us knew that it was going to be this big. Uh, and it's just every week this book comes out, or this book came out, I just fell more and more in love with it. Um, I would argue that the Dawn of X event that spiraled out of this with the multiple X books kind of relaunching hasn't quite caught up to how strong the initial uh, House of X Powers of Ten series was, but I'm hopeful and I am uh, optimistic that uh, Hickman will uh, kind of pull everything together and keep it at that consistent uh, level. But for this one, with all of the reveals, the complete uh, re... I would say reboot of X-Men mythology. I think this is one of the most incredible books of this year, and it absolutely deserves its place on this list. At number four, we have Deceased. And I did not think that Deceased was going to be on this list, but the more I thought about it, the book originally started on uh, the honorable mentions, but it kept creeping its way up because this book had absolutely no right to be as good as it is. Uh, this is essentially just DC Comics version of Marvel Zombies, but uh, the book itself ended up becoming so much more. Uh, Tom Taylor, again, is having a stellar year, and he knocked it out of the park with this one. He really just brought some of my favorite Green Arrow writing. Uh, I was talking to uh, Malcolm over at Heroes and Villains in Tucson, shout out to him, uh, that I would love a Green Arrow uh, book just written by Tom Taylor. I think he would be incredible um, with, uh, with just everything that he did in this book, uh, bringing in uh, Dinah as kind of making her the new green lantern um killing off batman really quickly uh spoilers sorry um and then giving us kind of the superman moments that uh we would hope to see in this kind of um uh this kind of tragic uh event i think really made this book strong and i am hopeful that we see sequels to this especially with the uh, ending the cliffhanger ending that this book kind of leaves us off on uh, i'm hoping to get more of this and uh, tom taylor really uh really deserves as much praise as he's getting and number three i have invaders another chip zadarsky book um i love this i just I lo it's captain america it's namor it's winter soldier it's the original human torch jim hammond um what more do you need uh this really really just became an incredible series i thought it was going to be a great six issue mini uh kind of going over the mad king storyline for namor but as it got further along i just was blown away by every single issue that came out uh the book explores the deeper relationships between all of the original invaders and where 
that kind of puts them nowadays and how that puts them in opposition with each other. It's just a great character deconstruction for all of these characters, especially Namor. If you are a big Namor fan, this is the book for you. And overall, it was a book that I was really sad to see end in December. Another book that I was sad to see end, but I was glad that it finally did, is our number two, which is Doomsday Clock. Uh, Doomsday Clock, just like uh, Watchmen in our TV list rankings, um, really embodies the spirit of the original Watchmen book. Um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for both of these stories to exist uh, in relation to each other, but... For my money, uh, combining the Watchmen uh, universe with the DC universe really was a just an inspired decision. And even though it's a little bittersweet knowing that at the end of the day, most of the promises that the end of this book makes kind of fall by the wayside with how much it was delayed and how DC Rebirth is kind of over and Jeff Johns really isn't in the place that he uh, used to be, the book in itself being a kind of a thesis statement on Superman and his importance to uh, not just uh, DC Comics, but to comics as a whole, is something that I am absolutely willing to get on board with. And it is a book that I cannot wait to read back through all 12 issues. But the number one book that I uh, fell in love with this year, the book that caught me by surprise and really... um, had me fall in love with it more and more every page that I turned, was Superman Smashes the Clam, uh, written by Jean Lun Yang with art by Gurihiru. Uh, this book is just, just wow. Um, bringing that kind of anime style is always a risk when it comes to comic books, but I think um, the way they do it here and putting a focus on the Lees, a Chinese-American family uh, living in Metropolis post-World War II, uh, really just, or it's not Chinese, it's Japanese, um, really just is so good. And it's my favorite version of Superman. It's the Superman um, of the original uh, uh, 1940s uh, radio serial where he can just run really fast, jump really high, and punch really hard. Uh, he doesn't. He's kind of stripped down, but this is early years for Superman, and the spirit of him is in every single page uh bringing in the lees having clark uh interact with them while also finding out more about himself and the fact that he is an alien uh so good and also uh it's an incredible uh it's an incredibly current book today as well uh with the even though the idea of Superman versus the Ku Klux Klan feels really outdated and feels very of its time, it's also of this time with the uh, social, political unrest in our country. This is the perfect book to come out right now, and I cannot wait for it to conclude in uh, January. So that does it for all of my uh, all of my year in review. This is. Uh, just going over this again and talking about it was just such a trip, like putting this list together and then being able to go through this list and really talk about the things that I loved this year uh, makes me really excited for 2020 because hopefully 2020 will be an even bigger and even better year than 2019. And I cannot wait to see what some of these properties do with 2020, namely uh, the MCU, uh, Superman Smashes the Clan. Uh, Umbrella Academy, and even The Witcher. I really, really dug The Witcher. And 
actually, speaking of which... Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty, oh valley of plenty, oh. Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty. This is uh, your wildcard weekly review, the final weekly review of 2019. Uh, and the wildcard stipulation for our weekly review is because we are currently on break for uh, Crisis on Infinite Earth, so we will be picking back up with Crisis um, on the uh, January 14th on our on that week's episode when those final two uh, chapters drop. But in between that, we're changing it up, doing a different review every week, and this week we are reviewing... Uh, Something that's pretty special, I think. I posted up on our Twitter. What would you like? To, what would you rather see us uh, review for our final weekly review of 2019? And I put The Witcher and The Mandalorian. And of course, because it's how it always happens, it was a dead even split. Thank you to everyone who voted. Uh, you were no help whatsoever. No, I'm kidding. But um, thank you so much for participating. It was great. Uh, but the uh, poll ended a dead even split for The Witcher and Mandalorian 50-50, so I flipped the coin, and wouldn't you know it, the coin was tossed to The Witcher. So I I am going to be reviewing season one of The Witcher. I binged it. Um, overall, just super freaking good. I was really surprised that this was as good as it was. Um, it's not, I think it definitely has uh, some room to grow and some room to improve, but I could easily see, you know, season two, season three on kind of being Netflix's Game of Thrones. Uh, this is, of course, the uh, live action uh, TV adaptation of the video game and novel series of the same name uh, with Henry Cavill starring as Geralt of Rivia. And Henry Cavill, I just got to say, I just got to talk about him for a second, is so freaking good. Like... It's, it's really interesting when you get these kind of gruff characters, and I will be completely honest, um, I've never played any of the games or read any of the, um, the books. I really, really dug this. Uh, my partner's uh, father, shout out to Pete Orzek, uh, has been a big Witcher fan for a really long time, and um, he's always recommended this to me, or the game at least, uh, but... After watching this show, I might go back and pick up uh, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt just to get more of this universe. Because I really, really dug it. I really dug the world building that was in this. And Henry Cavill, the gruff, you know, uh, soft-spoken lead character, is, a, you know, a cliche, we'll say that. But uh, he really does a great job with this character. And I was surprised, I'm just as surprised as you, that this is as good as it was. Because if you go back, and we covered this on the podcast, if you go back to that first test uh, footage of Henry Cavill in that awful Geralt wig, um, it looked really bad. It looked really bad and really cheap. And I am so happy that the adjustments were made and that this show is in no way indicative of that first uh, test footage. 
Henry Cavill is fantastic. Um, Anya Chalotra is also very, very good as Yennefer. Uh, there's a lot of nudity in this. I'll just put that out there now. Um, and it's mostly female nudity, which I think is a strange choice. If they wanted to go like the Game of Thrones route, I feel like there should have been equal opportunity nudity for uh, both male and female. But there's a lot of nudity, so this is probably not something to watch with your kids. Uh, Freya Allen is actually also really, really good as Siri. She plays a young girl named Siri, who is the um, crown princess of Sintra. And her story was really, really cool. I think personally for me, it's probably the weakest of the three uh, main stories, that being of Siri, Geralt, and Yennefer. But uh, overall, I still really dug her performance. Fantastic child actor and i'm really looking forward to uh seeing more of this but the big uh, for me the big one that stole the show uh in this show was uh joey Beatty. joey Beatty uh plays a bard who uh gerald rescue or Geralt, sorry Geralt rescues within i believe it's episode two and holy shit he's so good he's the one whose dulcet tones you heard for the uh opening transition of this segment and man it's so fun there's very much a uh, shrek and donkey uh dynamic between him and Geralt, and i i love it and i believe it's in episode six uh they kind of part ways and i was really sad because i thought he was just so good so charismatic so funny and i really wanted to just see more of him but I thought one of the strongest things about this that I didn't, uh, that you don't really pick up on, and it isn't really revealed until kind of halfway through the season, is that um, the series uh, messes a lot with timelines. It's a little messy in certain areas, but you're basically working through uh, the three perspectives of our leads, that being Geralt, Yennefer, and Ciri. And I guess chronologically, in order, like taking out, you know, uh, how you view the series, the order and the timeline kind of goes uh, Yennefer's story, Geralt's story, and then Ciri's story. Uh, but it does a really good job in masking that for the first couple episodes, not really giving you all the information to know that all of Geralt's stuff happens, you know, across a decade and much sooner all the way kind of up to uh, Ciri's storyline, how Yennefer's goes back even further than that. Uh, the three leads do an incredible job in this. The action is so good. I haven't seen um, sword sword combat like this uh, in a very long time. The weight of all of the uh, of all the sword fights is super super strong. Uh, the fight choreography is fantastic. The production design also is really really good. A lot of this was shot on location, and I think that brings a lot to the table when it comes to doing this versus doing it on a green screen there are definitely green screen moments but a lot of the locales and the setting are uh real they go a long way to uh make you feel like you're engrossed in this world uh the creature designs are also really cool like i again i'm not super familiar with the witcher um but if the creatures in the games and the novels are anything like the creatures here that's frame awesome because <laughs> um, the creature design for a lot of these was super good uh from the uh, i think it's called the skilla the uh cursed 
uh, Daughter of the King to the even the dragon designs, and I feel like dragons are a little they're a little overplayed now. But um, the usage of the dragons in episode I want to say I want to say it's episode six um, was really really good, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I would say uh, the series really gets stronger the more that you watch it. Uh, the first episode, I would say, uh, feels very video gamey and isn't as strong as the rest of the season. But if you get past that first episode, you really start to get engrossed in these characters and in this world and the timelines of these characters. And it's just overall a fantastic uh, fantasy show that you can really sink your teeth into. Whether you watch it, whether you binge it, uh, like I did, or whether you take them in uh, pieces. The episodes are kind of built to be self-contained stories, again, feeling very video gamey, especially um, all of Geralt's adventures. Uh, feel very like, oh, here's a side quest. Oh, here's a side quest. Every episode, he's getting a new side quest. Um, and Yennefer's and series stories, less so. It's a bit more narrative-driven. But um, having that variety within the show and kind of weaving them together is a really great idea, and I would love to see this used more often with, um, with uh, fantasy storytelling going forward or really even just um, genre storytelling going forward. I'm a huge sucker for uh, time travel or messing with timelines um, when it comes to my narratives, so I really dug that, and I liked how everything kind of built to the conclusion of episode seven, which is the penultimate episode, bringing everybody to the present day, and episode eight is all, all present day stuff, so I really dug it, I'm looking forward to season two whenever that drops, I think they said that it's gonna drop officially, uh, fall of 2020, which sucks because it's so far away, but I believe if they are improving some of the stuff that, um, I think was lacking in the season, which for me kind of came with some of the performances. Uh, the writing also gets a little, it, it, it gets a little cliche sometimes. Um, and I would love to see uh, more fights in daytime. But if they do very minor adjustments and improvements on this, uh, I can only imagine that season two is going to be even better than season one. So that is your final wildcard weekly review on The Witcher, uh, the final weekly review of 2019 as we head into 2020. I believe, let me check the calendar real quick, that um, next week will be our final wildcard weekly review. That's right. Uh, so, uh, looking forward to that. I haven't chosen yet what we're gonna, uh, review, but, I uh, definitely look forward to that next week. For now, though, let's hop on over to this week's Comics Countdown. Ooh, welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of our show where I talk about the comics that I think you should be picking up this week, whether it's at your local comic book shop, on Comixology, or however you pick up your comics. These are the ones that I think you should definitely be taking a look at. We'll be talking about each book's title, the creative team behind each book, as well as a brief synopsis of each book. And of course, every synopsis will be accompanied by my synopsis, Voices, which is going to be... A little bit of a struggle with uh, with my voice going out, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, if you have a uh, a synopsis voice you'd like me to try out, feel free to request that on either of our social medias or through email. But before we get to this week's books, we got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geeksplain Pick of the Week of last week. And we kind of 
had slim pickings when it comes to comics last week. Not a lot came out, but of the ones that did come out, um, one kind of stood up above the rest, and I really enjoyed it. And that is Doctor Strange, Surgeon Supreme, number one, written by Mark Wade with art by Kev Walker. Uh, I really dug it. It's a simple Doctor Strange story that gets... Uh, really dark really quickly so um this is kind of off the aftermath of the most recent mark wade uh dr strange run where it's basically dr strange in space um his hands have been healed so he's able to go back into his practice as a neurosurgeon and now he has to kind of balance being a neurosurgeon with also being the sorcerer supreme so great start it's a really strong book and i'm looking forward to seeing where uh the story takes stephen strange but that's last week. Let's talk about this week. So this week we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight books for you to uh, check out. I'm really excited about these. So let's go ahead and dive in before my voice goes out with our first one, which is a brand new number one, and that being Star Wars number one, written by Charles Sewell with art by Jesus Saez. Um There's a lot to say about this book, but I'm going to go ahead and jump into the um synopsis first and then we'll talk a little bit about that so let's jump into the synopsis here no i am your father in the wake of the events following the empire strikes back it is a dark time for the heroes of the rebellion the rebel fleet scattered following a disastrous defeat at the battle of hoth han solo lost to the bounty hunter Boba Fett after being frozen in carbonite, and after being lured into a trap on Cloud City and bested in a vicious lightsaber duel against the evil Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker learned the horrible truth about his past. Vader did not kill Luke's father, Anakin. Vader is Luke's father. Now, after narrowly escaping the Dark Lord's clutches and wounded and reeling from the revelation, Luke, Princess Leia, Lando Calrissian, the Wookiee Chewbacca, and the droid C-3PO and R2-D2 must fight their way back to the Rebel Alliance, for the fate of the entire galaxy is at stake. After so many losses, is victory still possible? But... What Leia, Luke, and their ragtag band of freedom fighters do not realize is that they have only traded one Imperial trap for another. Enter the cunning and vengeful Imperial Commander Zara at the helm of Tarkin's will. I'm looking forward to this. Um, this is a uh, time period in Star Wars that isn't talked about enough, the time between uh, the original trilogy films between episode four and five and episode five and six. Um, so I'm looking forward to this. This should be a really, really good uh, ongoing book. Charles Sewell has been killing it with the Star Wars franchise, and Jesus Saez is coming off of that really strong run with Doctor Strange uh, with Mark Wade. So I'm looking forward to this book. Next up, we have X-Men number four, written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Lineal Francis Yu. Um, this book uh, is classic Hickman. Um, I was just talking the other day to somebody where I really want something exciting to happen because this is in the uh, world-building phase for any Jonathan Hickman ongoing. The first 10 issues are pretty much just uh, establishing the world and then things start to kind of kick off around like issue 15. So this is issue 4. If you are not a slow burn reader, I can understand if you are not uh, or if you would rather wait until we get the trade, but I'm really interested in the story that they're telling with the X-Men here. So let's jump into the synopsis 
here. Earth's most powerful. Cyclops storms the Savage Land. The most powerful heroes of the dominant species on the planet, the X-Men, rise to protect the world against any threat. From a new foe in the Savage Land to an old nemesis's surprising return. So X-Men in the Savage Land, you've already got me. I will be there. Um, but I'm really interested in um, them telling this story of Cyclops leading the X-Men again after just everything that he's been on. The entire Summers family I think is fascinating. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with this book. Next up, we have Daredevil, number 15, written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco Cicchetto. Um Or it's 16, pardon me. Um this is a book again we talked about this in the um the entree course that i uh i fell in love with this book over the past week and uh you can bet your ass that daredevil will be showing up on uh the comics countdowns as we go along for the future uh i'm really excited about this book uh it's written i already said written by chip zadarsky art by mark Chiquetto. so let's go ahead and jump into the synopsis here The Devil of Hell's Kitchen returns. As Matt Murdock rekindles his alliance with Elektra, Kingpin plans to rekindle some alliances of his own. So, pretty simple, bare-bones synopsis, but anytime you've got Daredevil with Elektra, it's going to be a good time. So I'm looking forward to it. Next up, we have uh, the conclusion of a miniseries from this year. This is Web of Black Widow, number five of five, written by Jody Hauser with art by Stephen Mooney. Uh, this book's been really strong, and I've been really enjoying it. The classic uh, spy elements of the book have been just uh, probably the strongest part, along with the art, I think. Uh, so I'm looking forward to this book. Let's go ahead and jump into the synopsis. The final thread in Natasha's broken web. The Black Widow has always worked best alone, but now she's more isolated than she's ever been. The enemy masquerading in her clothes is finally ready to spring the trap. All this time, Natasha thought she was hunting prey she had helped release, but the real predator has been stalking her. I will not miss attempting this Russian accent for this book. <laughs> but, um... I think the book's been really strong. If you're a fan of Black Widow, if you want something to read before the uh, Black Widow uh, film drops in 2020, this is absolutely a book you should pick up. Next up, we have Marauders number five, written by Jerry Duggan with art by Matteo Lolly. Uh, this book's just been super strong. I've been really, really enjoying it so far, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they bring to it next. Let's go ahead and jump into the synopsis here. The Marauders are caught between the forces of Madripoor and the Black King's machinations. Thankfully, they have two Omega-level mutants on board. Again, bare bones. Kind of tells you everything you need to know without giving you too much information. Um, I'm looking forward to this book. I look forward to it every single time it comes out. Should be really, really good. Next up, we have Detective Comics number 1018, written by Peter J. Tomasi, with art duties by Scott Godlewski for now. Um... This book's been really strong. Uh, the entire Tomasi run on Detective Comics has been strong so far. And coming off of the heels of that really good uh, Mr. Freeze arc, I'm interested to see what they do. Uh, this book seems to be a little bit more in line with what's going on in the mainline Batman book as well. Uh, to see what I mean, let's go ahead and jump into the synopsis 
here. In the aftermath of City of Bane, the Dark Knight has found himself cold, alone, and missing one of the very foundations of his life as both Bruce Wayne and the Batman. But personal problems will have to wait. A mysterious series of deaths have been peppered throughout Gotham, and it seems an element of the supernatural is at play in the form of a monstrous pagan spirit. Can Batman silence the demons within to stop the killing, or will this silent night be for keeps? So, uh, we are officially moving forward with this death of Alfred. I thought that uh, they were going to find a way to undo it somehow, but it doesn't seem like that is the case. Um, I'm interested. It's something new that we haven't seen with Batman yet. And, uh, again, Tomasi has such a great voice for Batman. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does uh, with this book and this new post-Alfred era for Batman. Next up, uh, another new number one that I'm super freaking excited about. It's Hawkeye Freefall, number one, written by Matthew Rosenberg with art by Otto Schmidt. Um, Matthew Rosenberg has been killing it for the last year, and obviously before that as well. But I, one of my favorite books to come from him in the in recent years has been his uh, Tales of Suspense, which was essentially a buddy cop between uh, Winter Soldier and Hawkeye. And I am so excited to see him writing Hawkeye again. And Otto Schmidt, who was killing art duties on uh, Green Arrow Rebirth, super freaking good, and it is a match made in heaven. I'm really excited about this. Let's go ahead and jump into the synopsis here. When a mysterious and ruthless new Ronin starts tearing a destructive path through the city, Suspicion immediately falls on Hawkeye, but Clint has more to worry about than who's wearing his old costume. After a clash with the hood ends badly, Hawkeye gives himself a new mission that will place him in the crosshairs of one of New York's most dangerous villains. Hawkeye's mission and Ronan's secret plans will set them on a collision course that only one of them will walk away from. So I'm really excited about this. Uh, this should be really, really good. And uh, again, I have been waiting for another Hawkeye book since the Fraction run um, just blew me away, and I'm excited to see what they do for this book. But finally, the big book of the week, the book I think that if you pick up any of these books, this is the one you should prioritize, is Thor number one, written by Donny Cates with art by Nick Klein. Uh, this is... This is the beginning. This is the beginning of the next stage of the God of Thunder's uh, saga after the wrap-up of Jason Aaron's um, odyssey with Thor in uh, King Thor, the King Thor miniseries. Uh, this is kind of going to deal with what comes next. There's been a lot of speculation, especially with this new redesign of Thor on exactly what they're going to be doing with this. But I'm looking forward to this. This should be really, really good. Let's jump into the synopsis here. A brand new superstar creative team takes the King of Asgard to new realms of glory. The prince is now a king. All Asgard lies before Thor, the god of thunder. And after many months of war, the ten realms are finally at peace. But the skies above the realm eternal are never clear for long. The black winter is coming, and the god of the storm will be powerless before it. That's ominous. Um, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, Donny Cates is another one over at Marvel who has just been absolutely killing it. I got uh, turned on to his work uh, from his Doctor Strange run, and I've been loving everything that I've read from him since. Really excited 
for this, he has big shoes to fill uh, with Jason Aaron moving off of the book that he's been on for the last, like, what, seven, eight years. But I have faith in Donnie Cates. I'm interested. I think the Nick Klein artwork that we've seen in the previews has been really strong. I'm not super familiar with his work, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with this character. And that is going to do it for the weekly review. To recap, we have Star Wars number one, X-Men number four, Daredevil number 16, Web of Black Widow number five of five, Marauders number five, and Detective Comics number 1018, Hawkeye Freefall number one, and Thor number one. If I missed any books, feel free to let me know. Um, I love discovering new books. Uh, this year, I've discovered more books than I thought was possible. So I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what these books bring to the table. Uh, really looking forward to seeing what 2020 brings to the table when it comes to comics. Um, Thor, I think, is going to be a standout. Uh, the X-Men books are always really, really good. Uh, Batman's future, even though it is uncertain, is a really exciting time. And overall, I cannot be more excited going into 2020 as a comics fan. And that about does it for this episode and does it for 2019. Um, thank you for uh, sitting with me through all this. Again, I'm sorry that my voice has been just bleh. I'm hoping to get over this whatever this is very, very soon. So hopefully next week uh, we will hit the ground running. Um, I am releasing this a day early because I figured even though uh, 2019 uh, ends tonight and we normally drop our episodes on Wednesday, I wanted to make sure that we can kind of end 2019 with a clean slate and move forward into uh, 2020 uh, refreshed. So overall, really quick um, if you enjoyed listening to me through this, uh, first of all, thank you. And uh, second of all, feel free to give us a uh, rating and review, especially on iTunes. It really helps us out, uh, gets us on the radar of listeners just like you. And if you didn't like what you heard, um, uh, never mind. But seriously, it really does help us out. Um, this year has just been incredible for us, just uh, building this brand, building this podcast. I feel like I'm getting better with this with every episode, every month that goes by, and that has a lot to do with you as a listener. Yes, I'm talking to you specifically. Um, I wouldn't be able to do this or keep being able to do this without you listening, and it means a lot that you tune in every week with me just ranting about stuff that um, I find interesting. So thank you for being on the journey with us through 2019. I am super looking forward to the journey uh, into 2020. I think it's going to be our biggest year ever for this podcast and uh, is going to be a big year for all of us. I wish nothing but great things for you in the new year. Um, if you are going out tonight, stay safe. Um, definitely don't drink and drive. Um, an Uber can be anywhere from five bucks to 12 bucks. And it is so much more worth that than, uh, possibly a life. So, uh, stay safe, have a great new year's Eve, and I will check back in with you guys in 2020. Uh, it, it feels so weird to say, um, I'll see you next year, but I'm uh, really looking forward to 2020, everything that it can bring. Uh, 2019, like I said, has been a huge year, uh, for both the podcast and for me personally as well. And I cannot wait to see what 2020 will bring for all of us. Tune in next week, uh, different 
Geek Time, because it'll be coming out on time on Wednesday, uh, but same Geek Channel. And for now, for the final time in 2019, for Geek Explain, this is Eric Azana. Thank you very much for listening. Happy New Year, and we will see you next time.